Welcome to Radwell's Automation Nation. Adjust the volume or put your favorite earbuds in and let's explore the manufacturing and automation industry together. I promise you if you love the industry or just cool technology, you will love our podcast. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 12 of Radwell Automation Nation podcast. We've all been there. You like your job and you work hard every day, but there are just some things that are so frustrating and you don't quite know how to make them better. Maybe you speak to your manager or maybe you keep your mouth shut. But either way, if the frustrations don't get fixed, they will eventually take over. Instead of focusing on the good parts of your job, you end up fixating on the frustrating parts until it really starts to become a major issue. Before you get to that point, Rob and I are here to help. In this episode, we're discussing how to fix job frustrations, or at least how to manage them, and make them work for you on the job. Before we talk about fixing frustrations, the one thing I would like to mention is that most job frustrations involve emotions. If you can somehow remove the emotions for a bit to view the situation you're experiencing logically, it might go a long way towards helping you resolve many issues. Let's start off by sharing our biggest job frustrations. Rob, you go first because I always like to hear what you have to say. And to be honest, I have to think about what I'm going to say. So I'll let you go. All right. So um, let's talk about red tape. You know, it can lead to wasted time. It can lead to duplicated efforts. Uh, You know, as a company grows and the org chart hierarchy grows, naturally more red tape appears. I think the way to overcome it is to figure out how to get whatever it is you're trying to get done, done. Um, Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to involve? What kind of numbers, metrics do I need to collect? It may involve multiple conversations, multiple peoples cutting through that, that red tape layer by layer. But ultimately, we need to find a way to get there. I certainly know from in my, in my position, I'm forced to get things done. Therefore, I'm faced with a lot of red tape over time. And, and certainly, you know, here at Radwell, as our company has grown, there's been more layers involved and certainly more red tape. It's just approaching it from a different angle and, and, and sometimes trying different things. So basically, you're talking about systems that that kind of are designed not to work or they they were designed to work a long time ago and now they create layers that create frustrations that's what it sounds like to me am i hearing that right yeah i mean we used to get things done one way we used to go and speak to so and so to get an approval to move forward or empowered to go ahead and and make that change introduce a new job description promote an employee spend money on a project or whatever and then over time naturally you add you know layers in between so it could be management layers you know in our case it could be locations at which point things take a little longer to get completed and understandably so so you know you have to figure out the new landscape and how to how to operate yeah that's actually not that unlike my job frustration story, which it's not about layers necessarily, but it's more about systems that don't necessarily fit for the long term. So what they did for us when I managed restaurants was there were instances where the bonus plan was set up in a way that made it impossible to achieve. So you have this carrot that's dangled and you can't achieve the carrot because the way the system is set up, the carrot might have been achievable three years ago, but now with the results and the, the revenue and the volume and everything else, you can't reach that carrot. But we'll leave it there anyway. So what I and my managers um, would do, we were doing all these things right. And instead of it being a reward, it kind of came to be expected. Like, oh, well, you're doing these above and beyond things because that's what we want you to do. Well, no, we're above and beyond and we're not getting any sort of accolades, any sort of um, results back. So 
at the time I was running one of the top restaurants for the company and I, I wasn't going to deal with, Oh, Oh, well, that's the way it is. Like it wasn't good enough. So what I did was I kind of, I tried to take care of my managers. So instead of them suffering, I would do little things for them that help them kind of not feel so forgotten. If you, if that makes any sense, like I would get gift certificates for them to go out with their spouse. I would, try to do things that would make them feel like somebody cared. Sure. And at least you're able to identify that because I think, you know, sometimes we get lost in the sauce. Yeah. It kind of falls by the wayside. <laughs> I had to remember that lost in the sauce. <laughs> um, ultimately, I did realize that the plans were structured to benefit the company and not the employee. So it was kind of like going to AC, you know, the casino. We know when we go to the casino that the house is favored. Well, in many restaurant companies, the house is favored. So you can get a bad attitude about it, or you can see what the writing on the wall is and kind of move forward from there. And I ended up, before I got really frustrated where it was an attitude issue, I ended up leaving that job and moving forward in my career. But that was really the nature of the industry at the time that I was in. And, you know, we worked hard, stressful, long hours, and, you know, above and beyond was just a basic expectation. And if you went above that, they didn't know what to do with you. So they did nothing. And people ultimately were affected. I'm sure they lost a lot of talent by being that way. Unfortunate, but true. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you know, Dangle carrot in the restaurant business, no pun intended, I, I'm sure. <laughs> Should have been dangling a steak or a lobster. Maybe people would have been happier. <laughs> hey, I'll take half a steak instead of half a carrot. <laughs> yeah, me, yeah, me too. Okay, so let's break this down into types of job frustrations since we won't be able to touch on every single individual frustration someone might have. Sounds good. And of course, um, given the personal story that I shared, I would say the first type to kick off on our list would be issues with systems. And that's something that's not working in a general system or way of doing things. Maybe it's set up incorrectly or set up based on how things used to be but aren't now. Or maybe it was something that was set up by someone without the actual job knowledge of what works. You know, that happens a lot. People aren't in the job function and then they have to turn around and create a system and they think they, they're doing it the right way, but it doesn't necessarily work for the people in a job role. You know, if they don't actually perform or fully understand the job function, they set the systems up and now they just don't work right. I think that happens a lot more than people might think. Yeah, I think you're right. And when I when I think systems here, systems, I naturally think IT systems. You know, I, I come from the IT world, um, so I certainly understand it. Uh, one thing about systems not working properly is it ultimately affects production. And, you know, we're a metrics-driven company. I'm looking at numbers all day. And if the phones are down or the email's down or the system's down, it's, yeah, it, it could be frustrating. However... Well, hold up a second. Hold up. Is any company not a metrics-driven company today? No, no. Uh, <laughs> if, if they're not, they're probably not around all that long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt, but I had to, had to throw that in there. Everybody's yeah. metrics-driven. It's all metrics. Even nonprofits are metrics-driven. That's true. So when the systems are down, it can create frustrations, you know, certainly from a coworker who is pressing towards their numbers, you know, everyone's looking at it at the end of the day. Now, coming from the IT world, I can be a little more sensitive to it because I know what they're up against and systems today are changing rapidly and it's a sign of progress for a company to be having system issues because they're probably implementing something new or they're evolving their internal systems in order to grow the company. Now you're talking technical systems, right? Yes. Like you're actually talking like IT type systems and I'm talking like systems like 
operational processes, if you will. But really, they're both the same in the in the long run because they're about things that have to work. And if they work hand in hand, yeah. right, if things don't work or if the two systems, if something is set up, a process is set up here, you have to follow this protocol and it's set up by someone who doesn't know the day in day out. It's no different than having a computer system crash because it was set up improperly for the job it needs to do. Same, right? Yeah, that's just where my head goes when I think systems. So it's it's interesting that I paused a webinar through Microsoft on on a new system they have called Power Automate. And it allows you to automate, you know, day-to-day tasks and systems and things like that. Just trying to find ways to automate some processes or, you know, systems. Free up some time because let's face it, none of us have enough. It's all like insanity. I tell people, you know, outside vendors want to know why I haven't gotten back to them on certain things. I'm like, I haven't had time to even stop and do what I need to do. Like I'm still, you know, motoring through what I have, my whole checklist. And I think, you know, systems are... There's only so far you can go if a system doesn't work. So even if you're the best worker and you are motivated with the best attitude, there's only so far you can go if your system's broken in some way, whether it's figuratively broken or literally broken. I guess, how would you, how would you approach fixing that? I know the first thing I, you always think about is approaching leadership and you know supervisory staff, but what other things could you do to kind of approach something that's broken from a system standpoint. Yeah. So, I mean, speaking from my experiences, you know, two things, one, understanding the company, understanding what you're operating in, right? I I guess an example would be when I started here with Radwell, I was structured from a point of, I would go home with my notebook. I would come up with my plan of attack for the day. These are the bullet points that I hope to accomplish. And then I'd come in and it, none of them got accomplished. Uh, and that continued day over day over it, day in and day, day out. And, I know that feeling you know, that very well. A certain level of, of frustration. Yeah. And so, you know, I spoke to a good friend of mine now still with the company and mentioned this frustration to him. He said, dude, that's just who we are and what we do. It hasn't changed, never going to. And then I had to do the second portion, which was adjust my attitude adjust my approach to the day, yep. how I'm going to accomplish things. And it led me to then adjust my system to become more successful, I guess, within my my surroundings. Yep. That's exactly what I would say is adjusting workflow would probably be more effective than going to a supervisor and saying the system's broken. Now, in every instance, that's not the case. Sometimes the system literally is broken and someone needs to step in from a supervisory standpoint and fix it. But If you can adjust your workflow to accommodate whatever you have to work around and it's not too frustrating to do that, that is probably the better way to go, in my opinion, too. Yeah, I mean, part of it's finding your system. Uh, What system works for you? And everybody's system is going to be different. Yeah. But if it works for you, that's what matters. Uh, If you can get your job done, that, that is what matters. Absolutely. Next type of frustration would be related to equipment. This would cover things like not having the proper tools to perform your job or not having tools that work properly to perform your job. I would also lump into this type of frustration, lack of training on how to use the tools and the equipment. This can really be frustrating. I know as a photographer, I have worked many jobs without the proper tools and, you know, expectations were high to get something achieved that you can't necessarily achieve with the wrong tools. You know, you can have the best environment in the world, but if training and tools are not there, going to hurt your ability to do your job correctly. Yeah, I I think back, this is one that I I tried to 
think of an example uh, where I, I didn't have the right tools and how to overcome it. But I, I honestly, either my memory is failing me right now, or <laughs> or I never was really faced with that situation. And one thing I will, I will good problem to have, <laughs> good problem to have, absolutely. But just talking about today, so you know, Radwell International, we are fortunate to be given or provided with any tool we need to get the job done. We always have. Very true. Very true. Whether it's an IT system, it's an actual wrench, uh, you know, a screwdriver for a job. Camera, um, video camera, camera. microphones. You, you, <laughs> you mentioned it. I mean, you know, yeah. I think back to, to our ISO certification and the resources. We have endless resources. It's what has allowed us to become the market leader in, in, in what we do. I think it's because um, Brian Radwell recognizes that in order to grow, you need to put things in place that help that happen. And it's made a difference. At least I, that's how I see it. Brian will tell you himself, if you can make a case for something, he's not going to say no. And, and he very rarely ever does. It's pretty funny because when, um, just a quick aside, when we were traveling to do a tour video a few years back, I was having major computer issues. Like I, I have a laptop that's not geared to do what I'm, what I was doing on the road and it wasn't working. And I, I came down to breakfast one morning and he was there and I, he said, what's wrong? And I'm like, oh, my computer's just not working right. He's like, just get a new one. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> can you just call, can you call the IT department and tell them you said that? <laughs> can I record yeah, it's, this it's, conversation? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a simple approach to things, right? And and if you, if you don't have the tools to get the job done, then how do we overcome that? Yeah, right? you can't get the job done. <laughs> well, I think there's also, it's it's a disparity, right? You could have, there's a wide range in terms of how serious of an issue that is. So as an example, if you don't have enough office supplies, right, you go get more supplies or even a computer or something like that versus having not enough safety straps to properly operate a high lift, these are differences that, you know, that one is much more impactful than another one. However, each is impactful to the respective person who needs those tools. So, I mean, you know, I would not want to chance having a high lift operator not strapped in properly. I would be okay if you didn't have a notebook. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of, there's a difference in how to approach things. But I think, you know, if you're fired up to your supervisor because you can't get, you know, pens and the person operating the high lift is not fired up because he's just operating the high lift, not strapped in because there aren't enough straps. You know, you, we have to operate based on the proper intensity required for the need. That's the other thing when you're dealing with a frustration. And if you can take the emotion out of it, that will usually happen because you'll look at it logically. Yeah, for sure. Taking some time, stepping back, uh, internalizing a bit. Um, good example, though, with the uh, the notebook and the and the high lift. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, everything is important to you personally when you are the one dealing with the frustration, but it's important to have some perspective <laughs> at work and in life. <laughs> it also comes down to changing your attitude again. If the tool's not going to be provided for you and you feel that you need it, provide it for yourself. That's true. That's true. That's you. We make a choice every day on how we want to approach things. So our next type of job frustration would be related to coworkers. Someone who doesn't perform their job duties well and things fall on you or maybe someone you work closely with comes in late and as a result, you're left to handle things you shouldn't have to handle. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough Boy, one. Boy, that's, uh, that's probably my biggest pet peeve. Just be here on time. Do your job. Be present in your job. Don't think that I'm here to back you up and then not you don't back me up. We have to work together. A wise man once said, 
it doesn't matter what job you task me with. I'm going to do the best job that I can do. I'm going to exceed your expectations because if an opportunity comes up, I want to be considered for that. And that wise man is uh, is Howard Stern. And he talked about washing dishes or, or stocking shelves and said, I gave my 100% best effort every day I went to work. He was a worker. He always was, even back in when he was a new um, a new disc jockey on um, AM radio in New York. <laughs> I remember it well. He always worked. He was never afraid to, and he was also never afraid to be outside the box too. you know, try something different. That's a good example. I like that example. Well, I, like Howard I Stern. mean, you know, the first <laughs> thing you, th- <laughs> what'd you say? You like I Howard Stern? I like Howard Stern. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I respect Howard Stern and what he's accomplished. It's, it's kind of like, I don't know if I met Howard Stern, if I would like him, but I can respect Howard Stern and what he's accomplished. Same thing with like a Steve Jobs. I, Steve Jobs, I've heard varied things about. He might have not been the nicest man in the world. However, I can certainly respect what he accomplished and what he was able to achieve. You know, I can't imagine not having an iPhone in my pocket. I know. These people are, you know, they're successful for a reason. And sometimes it's, it's definitely not because they couldn't deal with job frustrations. <laughs> right. I, you know, the first thing that I think about with a coworker is to speak to a supervisor. But before you do that, I mean, I would go to the coworker privately. And I would say, you know, what's happening? What's going on in your life that's prompting this series of not so great behaviors? Maybe I can help, you know, get you back on track without turning it into a big drama filled incident. Because, you know, once you go to a supervisor and you're talking about a a coworker not performing and it's causing frustrations for you, now the coworker has to be brought into it. Then it becomes, you know, a thing. Maybe, you know, address it with the coworker so it doesn't become a thing. I, I agree with that statement wholeheartedly. I mean, that that's how we've always tried to handle things here. You know, certainly a supervisor, a manager, you know, myself as as branch manager, you know, whatever. Showing some empathy. Everyone's story is different. You, you don't know what's going on. No, you really don't. And sometimes when you find out what's going on, you feel bad for even being frustrated. Yeah, that's true. The last type of frustration we'll be discussing in this episode is the hardest kind to deal with. It's frustration centered around your manager or supervisor. This is a tough one. Oh, it certainly can be a tough one. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a tough one, though. Uh, I just think back, gosh, I, I've, I've had this exact scenario, and it wasn't easy to deal with by any means. No, it's not. I mean, it's never, it's never going to be an easy fix. No, but I hate to bring it up a third time now, but in my particular situation, the way I was able to overcome it, was to change my attitude, change how I accepted some of the information that was being pushed my way or, or, or how I was being treated or, or how I dealt with, you know, said manager. That's what ultimately allowed me to just plow forward. Have you had a lot of um, managers that were less than stellar in terms of their communication style? I know I haven't had a lot that were. I've had a few, but not many. Uh, no, I have not. I've had one. And you know, this particular example is is the one that, that I'm speaking of. I've had been fortunate, been very, very fortunate to have a lot of very stellar managers over, over my career. Me too. I think it helps shape who you are as a, um, as a manager yourself. And also even just as a worker, you, it sets a tone for you. I mean, you're dealing with a situation with a, a manager. I think you have to communicate openly and honestly. And, and when I say honestly, with tact, not, you know, spewing out anything that you think about. Um, and I mean, it also really depends. Are you dealing with the head of the company or are you dealing with someone that reports to someone else? You know, rather than 
take the approach of going to a supervisor? Do you want to talk to the person? You know, instead of going to their boss, maybe have a discussion with them and say, this is what I'm feeling. And how can that's where it starts? It does. And we have to look at it as like, how can we fix it? Not how can you, Mr. Manager, who is a problem, fix it? Because if it's a we conversation, I think everybody feels like there's ownership and, and wants to move forward productively. Whereas if it's you, 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 or I, 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 that's not going to fix anything. Yeah. And to this topic, I mean, it, it's, it's frustrations. You can still learn. Um, you can still be successful. You can still move forward. But, you know, when you get, how do you overcome those frustrations? And, and you know, again, in my, in my case, change my attitude. Uh, f- like the red tape, figure out how to navigate and, and, and move forward. Always move forward. I don't think that's an accident that you've repeated the um, change the attitude thing. I don't think it's an accident at all. In fact, I think that is probably one of the best things to do to deal with any frustration anywhere, not just at your job. I really do believe that. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't make it right necessarily. And it doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem, but it allows you to continue to move forward. Yes. And I think sometimes frustrations um, are not solvable. Frustrations are based on emotions. So if what frustrates me may be a no-brainer to you. So we know that and we need to be able to adjust through whatever the frustration is. Sometimes it's based on valid circumstances. Sometimes it's just based on somebody viewing something the wrong way. So if they take your approach and change their attitude, that could fix everything in a lot of ways without fixing anything, if you know what I mean. Those frustrations can sometimes bring out you know, someone's passion and you can learn a lot about that person and what drives them. Very true. Very true. Anything you want to leave um, our listener community with about fixing job frustrations? Anything you can think of? Change your attitude. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's all your fault, those frustrations. Uh, so you fix it. Right? <laughs> and, 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 you know, that, that's not certainly not how I want it to, to come off because that's not the case. I'm teasing. Think, I'm teasing. I know I think what you're those, saying. Those that can ultimately be successful uh, have to know how to overcome adversity. And, you know, these types of of examples that we talked about today are a certain level of adversity and you've got to be able to overcome it. You mentioned in the very beginning about getting frustrated, letting that take over. You know, it seems like once you start going down the negative side of a hill, it's very difficult to recover from, but very easy to nag out and done and, and, and you move on and do something additional. Going back to the example of the the manager that I had issues with at one time, I considered making a career change because of the frustrations. Thankfully, I did not. Found a way around it, was able to plow forward, and you know, here we are. That's huge. That's a success story right there. Maybe that attitude thing works. What do you think? Hey, you know, gla- <laughs> glass I think it might. Full. I think it might be the the solution <laughs> to everything in life. Our attitudes do decide a lot. It certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> no, it does not hurt. We hope our discussion gave you some things to think about when it comes to fixing your own job frustrations. There are always solutions if you just stay calm and logical about things. Keep the emotion out of it and try to be solution-oriented as much as you can be, and you're sure to find a solution for what is bugging you at work. If you like this podcast, we'd love to have you leave us a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you for joining us for Episode 12 of Radwell Automation Nation. Until next time. To learn more about Radwell, visit radwell.com or connect with us on social media. To contact us about this podcast, email automationnation at radwell.com. Thanks for joining us.